beloveds, welcome back to The Word is Resistance, the podcast where we're exploring what our Christian sacred texts have to teach us about living, surviving, even thriving in the context of empire, tyranny, violence, and repression, the times in which we are living today. What do our sacred stories have to teach us as white folks about our role in resistance, in showing up, and in liberation? What wisdom is there for us as white Christians in these troubled, violent times of pandemics, rising authoritarianism and racial capitalism? What beauty can we find in our resistance? I'm Reverend Ann Dunlap, pronouns she, her, hers. I'm a United Church of Christ minister and I'm the faith organizing coordinator for Showing Up for Racial Justice or Surge. I live in the place currently called Buffalo, New York, here in the homelands of the Haudenosaunee peoples. This podcast is a project of Surge Faith and is particularly designed for white Christians. White Christians talking to other white Christians about race and white supremacy. We believe white Christians like us, like me, have a responsibility to commit ourselves to resisting white supremacy, to speaking up and showing up and disrupting white supremacy where we find it, including in our own Christian tradition. And we do this work remembering we are building up a new world. This live recording of Dr. Vincent Harding's song for the freedom movement is of a multiracial movement choir practice in Denver, Colorado in December, 2014, being led by minister Daryl J. Walker. We are deeply grateful to the Freeney Harding family for letting us use the song for this podcast. The word is resistance. So we're continuing on in our disability justice series this week. We've been looking at these readings from Luke's gospel and asking what a framework of disability justice can bring to these stories. And today I'm excited to have a special guest join me um, to talk about this week's text. Sam Heath is with Equal Justice USA. So Sam, would you like to introduce yourself to our folks? Sure, thanks, Anne. So my name is Sam Heath and I work for Equal Justice USA or EJ USA, and I'm the manager of what's called our Evangelical Network. So we're a national group that's working to repeal the death penalty and to think about what does transformative justice look like for communities. Beautiful. Thanks, Sam. It's so good to have you with us today on the podcast. So Sam and I will be talking about uh, this week's lectionary text from Luke, uh, chapter 17, verses 11 through 19. And here is that story. On the way to Jerusalem, Jesus was going through the region between Samaria and Galilee. As he entered a village, 10 lepers approached him. Keeping their distance, they called out saying, Jesus, master, have mercy on us. When he saw them, he said to them, go and show yourselves to the priest. And as they went, they were made clean. Then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice. He prostrated himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him, and he was a Samaritan. Then Jesus asked, were not ten made clean? But the other nine, where are they? Was none of them found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? Then he said to him, get up and go on your way. Your faith has made you well.
So Sam, what are we to make of this story? Um, this comes after a whole bunch of teachings from Jesus, a bunch of parables, questions from different folks who he's surrounded with. Um, it's followed up by more of that. Um, so we get some actual action here in the middle of all this uh, trip to Jerusalem. So what are we to make of it? What are your like initial impressions? Um, and maybe if you could talk a little bit too about how this story has been used to punish or shame people for not being grateful enough or having faith enough or some other kind of scolding that we don't usually associate with Jesus, um, or at least I don't. Uh, what do you think? Yeah, it is a layered passage. I think it's one I was taught when I was younger. And the thing that was emphasized is, I think, exactly what you said of, oh, well, this is a passage about being grateful. Oh, you need to be grateful. And, and a lot of that was, was shame-based, but there's so much that's going on within this. I love the book of Luke because it's it's fast paced. I love that there's food everywhere. Not in this <laughs> one, though, but I love that phrase because it's the third time it comes up of on the way to Jerusalem. And it's I, I think of that phrase both it's literal and it's figurative, right? Like he's literally moving towards Jerusalem. That's that's physically where he is, but also figuratively, like this book is moving toward Holy Week and toward what happens at Jerusalem of this crucifixion. And it's a few chapters later that we move into Holy Week and all of those events that happen. So this is situated before some of that story and how it moves on there. And you see, again, some of Jesus's ministry. So I think about that, that Jesus is moving toward Jerusalem. I think about these individuals and that they were healed as they went. It was a, another phrase that stood out to me that it wasn't right then, right? Like Jesus didn't snap his fingers and heal them. And it wasn't after they went to the priests that, that it happened. It was as they were going, right? There was this faith that they did indeed show because they, why else would they have gone to the priests when culture forbade those who had leprosy from being in proximity of the temple and the priests. So they absolutely wouldn't have gone if they didn't actually think that healing was was coming. And mm. so as they went, as they show that faith, as they continue on and what they'd said about Jesus, because they call him, they say Jesus master, right? So they give this term of authority and some kind of recognition to him, but they're healed as they go. So all of that's beautiful. And then one turns back and says to Jesus, you know, thank you for this. And Jesus says all of these things and even uses that, that word foreigner, which is a layered word in our culture. And I feel sometimes this passage was used to emphasize some things that it's not really saying. Mm. And so I think that it's really, it's, it's not necessarily emphasizing that oh, this foreigner, this is a terrible person. This is not important. I mean, Jesus was emphasizing 10 people were healed and nine did not come back, right? That there, you know, this, this kingdom of God, there is this incredible invitation that is there, but it, it is really few that come and few that respond in this holistic and genuine way. Mm. And and then one other thing, and then I would love to hear you talk about this because it really relates to disability justice is was reading uh, a book by Dr. Amy Kinney, uh, My Body is Not a Prayer Request, which is a provocative mm -hmm. book that I don't think anyone can read it without something thrilling you and upsetting you. And maybe that's the point, right? She's in Enneagram 8, but she talks about, and I think she's citing Rachel Held Evans, but she's talking about the difference of curing versus healing. Mm -hmm. I know that the word healing is in this passage, but the way that she would use those terms is talking about like there is a healing that can happen or the, a curing that can happen of someone's body. That, that, that's, a, that's a physical thing. And then there's a healing that's more holistic. It might be socioeconomic. It might be even spiritual. 
And we see for that one that return, there's this holistic healing that he experiences there. So all of those layers are there. I don't get those notes of shame that are there. Oh, you should be grateful. I get this rejoicing and, oh, look, one, one did return. One did show gratitude. That's encouraging. That's wonderful. And then he's sent on his way and he is both cured and healed. Mm. Mm. Yeah. I appreciate you naming all, all of those layers of things that are, that are happening, um, in this story. And, uh, I think really lifting up that piece around the, the foreigner too, and the, the one who returned being named as a foreigner. Cause we know that that Luke, as a Gentile writing this story, is really concerned that people understand that this kind of um, community, this kind of uh, vision that Jesus is bringing and sharing as he moves on his way to Jerusalem, if you will, um, is for everyone. Uh, it's not limited to a single community. It's not limited to a single kind of person. Um mm-hmm. And uh, one of the things that, that I think even gets overlooked in this story is it's not even limited to if you come back and say thank you or not, mm-hmm. right? So um, the, the nine who don't come back, they still get to have their needs tended to mm-hmm. um, without, uh, without that expectation that somehow they owe him or, or anything at all. Um, they just all receive what what they need, mm-hmm. um, and so to me that is also speaking to uh, the ways in which we can build community where we don't have these expectations around who's worthy and who's not worthy, and um, you know for healing or for care or or for what have you, um, but that like everybody gets to have that. Mm-hmm. Um, and who knows why those nine didn't come back. I was kind of thinking about that as I was mm. sitting with this text of like, you know, um, one of the commentaries I read said that the, the foreigner, well, he's from Samaria. So his, his temple would have been actually close because that's where they were traveling through. The other nine are presumed to be Jewish, I guess. I don't know why. It doesn't really say that, but that's the commentary say, quote unquote. Jerusalem was a lot farther off. So maybe they hadn't even gotten there yet. Like, who knows? Maybe they were so excited. They like went back to their families that they hadn't seen in a while, you know? Um, Maybe it was parents who had not been able to be with their children. Like there could be like Mm -hmm. a lot of really good legitimate reasons um, that also to me would feel like something to celebrate people being able to return to their communities, to their families. so I often kind of read this and think Jesus is being a little like, you're being a little harsh, dude. Like, <laughs> I mean, that's nice. But then also it's like, great, go on your way and we're going to keep moving. And like literally nothing happens to the other nine. You know, mm-hmm. they, they also get to go on their way. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think that I, I wish we knew what happened with those other nine. Right. right. Just because I'm curious. And and I think all the reasons that you named or are are legitimate. And it's such a short passage, right? Like there's so many other events that happen within Luke and the other gospels that just get, you know, 
sometimes a, a page or two. And yeah. this is just a few verses, which which I think always means, okay, like the, the key things must really be here. Like we're, we're, we're not meant to know that thing. So what can we glean from that? And, and part of it, I wonder if too, is, is, is part of this a commentary on human nature? If, if those nine didn't have a legitimate reason for coming back and like being grateful would have, would have been a good thing that they were able to do. Well, maybe that speaks to humans as well. Like we are mm. fallen people, right? We are made in God's image and we are beloved as you began with. And yet also like, man, like we do these really terrible things. And Jesus often speaks about the call being wide and this gate being narrow and not mm. many responding to it. But again, those, those 10 were healed as they went, like they responded to some measure in faith as they were going to those priests. And then one came back and was mm -hmm. able to rejoice, but look at the additional blessing that that man was able to experience too. Like he had this intimate conversation with Jesus and he had this kind of second blessing where he sent out and rise and go on your way. Your faith has made you well. Mm -hmm. And so there, you know, that, that, Curing a body was wonderful and that was beautiful. But then this one man has this really personal encounter with Jesus. And this, mm -hmm. I mean, it says that he lay down like on his face. And so both like he's able to give Jesus this gift of honor and worship and Jesus is able to bless him with this conversation. So, I mean, if anything, part of this passage, I hope would be an invitation to gratitude, not a demanding of it or mm. a shame into, ooh, you should be grateful. But mm -hmm. like, look, with gratitude comes an opportunity for you to bless your savior and for you in turn to be even further blessed than what mm. you already had. Like, and how rich is that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, and I think, I think all of this can be true, right? That, that, you know, the one who returned gets to have this, this special blessing with Jesus. The ones who didn't, they still get to have what their bodies need. Mm -hmm. um, and all of this gets to be true at the same time. And I think maybe it's also, um, because I think these stories are often doing about 1200 things at once. And then we try to like put them in these little, like, it's only this, or it can right. only Our be three this, point little boxes. Um, mm -hmm. You know, that, that all of this gets to be true at once, you know, that, um, and, and I still come back to, you know, that the bottom line is that everybody gets their needs taken care of, mm. regardless of, what they do afterwards right and so maybe that it's um kind of like these parables have been turning things on their heads that that, that have led up to this moment um yeah you know, i was uh nicola's episode last week the title just the title of her episode just blew me away the um your life is not a debt to be paid mm. and and I was like, how is that carrying over into, into this story too? Like, is this where Jesus gets to actually practice some of what he's been trying to tell stories about and parables about? Um, that if we were to approach this story, uh, you know, that from a, uh, from a disability justice framework too, um, that, yeah, everybody's needs get to be met. Mm. And that kind of uh, like a little bit of a warning of um, the, the binaries that we can fall into at mm. times of, um, 
you know, only certain people get to access. Right. Um, certain In things. In this context, maybe only the Jews, right? Because again, I think that's part of, you talked about overturning with the parables. I think that's part of what Jesus is overturning here of no, no, like the kingdom of God and this blessing of curing and healing is also for the Samaritan. And let me let me show you that. Let me surprise you listeners with the fact that he returned. And mm. not only did the not only did this person get healed, but this person was the individual that that showed gratitude. And let me overturn that narrative that Jews would have of they are only God's chosen people and that this message is not meant for others. So it, it turns that on his head. Again, it's such a it's such a broad invitation yeah. what this what this gospel is doing. And I'd said earlier about this being figuratively on the way to Jerusalem of Jesus and his crucifixion. I mean, two things that stood out with disability justice there, like one, Jesus is on his way to help meet the needs of his people, right? As mm -hmm. he goes to the cross and as he defeats Satan, sin and death, he is going to meet through that in his resurrection, the ultimate needs that, that people have, but more directly to disability. I mean, when Jesus experiences disability on so many levels there. I mm. mean, there's the disability of being cut off from his father. There's this disability of experiencing the effects of the sinful world. And when he returns, he's literally scarred. Mm -hmm. you know, we, we know that they're the marks on his hands or wrists, you know, where, where, wherever that was. But also like he asked Thomas to put his hand in his side. Mm -hmm. Like that's a hole in someone. Mm -hmm. I always thought of it like a scar. But that's not actually what the text says. Right. Like, not put your hand like on it. It's like within. Like, it. There's something that's gaping there. Mm -hmm. So, and, and again, I'm saying this kind of in a different way from Amy Kinney's book that I was looking at. But, and, and others have said this too. Like we serve a disabled God mm -hmm. in, in this very literal way. And mm -hmm. in his glorified body, he bears those symbols. Mm -hmm. Yeah, bears the symbols of, of what, like oppressive violence can do to us. For example, we think of the crucifixion as I talk about on the podcast, you know, often um, is execution by the state. Y'all work on anti-death penalty stuff. So the, that's an obvious connection there for me, you know, that the ways in which um, empire, uh, the Roman empire in this case with, with Jesus's life, uh, inflicts disability mm -hmm. um, that uh, I guess even resurrection can't, you know, is, is not intended to like fix, you know? So there's even a, a lesson in there about um, the worthiness of, of disability and how like healing and caring can mean a lot of different things, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. um, I, when we first started doing this series this summer and we talked with our, our staff, staff members on disability justice, the, you know, our, our um, disability justice staff. And one of them said, um, uh, I need to remember this correctly. Um, one of the things to remember in, in reading the gospels is that the people who come to Jesus for healing are already whole they're already whole and so it's not that they're broken and so the ways in which we think of disabled people as uh, or even ourselves with our own disabilities um so speaking for myself like am i broken somehow 
or or am I whole? And Jesus is presence with us is is addressing so- something for us, but it's not our like innate wholeness or mm. worthiness that is being fixed, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. There's a baseline image of God that we all have, mm-hmm. and one of the great like capital L lies of the church is that certain individuals may experience more blessing from God or more favored status because of a, I don't know, a hierarchy of image of godness. And mm. it's easy to name throughout history those groups that that get pushed out or to the bottom. And those with disabilities are chief among them. Mm-hmm. So I, I love the fact that, again, it's overturned here with looking ahead towards Jesus and that he still bears these scars Mm -hmm. on his resurrected body. Like there's something with the disability that he had that is preserved, that was important. And that was key. That's part of his identity that isn't completely removed. That's not part of the healing. Mm -hmm. I think about Augustine in the city of God and how he talks about, and this is just, just his idea, but the martyrs in heaven still bearing those marks of their Mm. martyr. But mm-hmm. those marks being transformed from marks of, of of pain to marks of glory, and that he said they're they're literally shining, and that mm. they're glowing, because mm-hmm. that thing becomes something that speaks mm. of God's glory, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, and, you know, there's so many ways we could talk about of those who have disabilities of how they are gifts to the church and how they could increasingly be if we engage them and brought them to the table more a gift to the church rather than only seeing what it is that they lack. We ask the wrong question of yeah. not asking what is it that they can bring. And, yeah. and, and Jesus is the start of that conversation because he bears his scars. Yeah. Still. Yeah. And I think, you know, we've highlighted that some on this series of, you know, the, for instance, like with the pandemic, it's the disability, the disabled folks who have been telling us this system is does not care about us. Hello, it does not care about us. And now here we are still in a pandemic. People are still dying. It's still mm-hmm. one of the top three COVID, still one of the top three um, causes of death in the country. You know, uh, long COVID continues to be a thing. Mm-hmm. And you know, the government's pretty much like, oh, well, we don't have funds for this. It's over anyway. Um, And it's exactly what disabled folks have been saying since the beginning. Mm -hmm. We have to take care of each other. Mm -hmm. You know, we're, we, all we have, as Mia Minga said, um, you know, we're all we've got. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, yeah, that kind of, we, that, um, I'm stumbling over my words today, but that what you lift up that we need to be listening Mm -hmm. to all 10 of the folks in this text, right? All 10 of them. Um, The one who comes back um, and, and, and finds community and, and the nine who, who knows why they didn't and maybe had good reason. Um, And, and what they're trying to tell us about living in this world that is disabling. Like this is the, the pandemic is disabling. The government's response to the pandemic is just. I use this example a lot now, but because I'm really mad about how it's being handled. But I think too about you know we've talked over the years on this podcast of the the trauma that Jesus and his community are living through because of uh, Roman uh, the Roman Empire's 
oppression and violence. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the, the thousands who were crucified before Jesus and, and having to witness that or your village being burned down or not having enough to eat because your food is being, you know, sent off to, to line, you know, the, the wealthy Romans coffers often, often Rome somewhere. Mm-hmm. And, you know, all of that has an impact on your body and on your mental health. Um, and so, uh, one of the things I was thinking of as you were lifting up the, the Samaritan is like even the solidarity, like lifting up the, the solidarity between the, the Samaritans and the Judeans, like we're all in this together, like whatever we're living through here as, a, as colonies of the empire, like we're all in it together and we need each other. Mm-hmm. And maybe that's part of what is so um, compelling to the one who came back. Oh, we're in this together. Mm-hmm. When you use the word oppression, it, it makes me it makes me think about a, a phrase that my friend recently said. Um, Jamar Tisby said this in a conversation we had last week, and he said, "Injustice suppresses imagination." Mm-hmm. And I so want the Christian Church and just humans as a whole, but especially like Capital C Church to have a greater imagination for how can we engage and love those with disabilities, but how can we also bring them to the table? It was a, it was a Congresswoman. And then it was our executive director at EJUSA who added onto this phrase, but it was those who are closest to the pain are closest to the solutions. And we want to bring them closest to power so mm-hmm. that we can engage. And so that, that phrase of injustice suppresses imagination. I think that that was chiefly used in the context of the one who was experiencing the oppression and the injustice. But the reverse can be true too, right? That those people who bring injustice on others, you are going to have a lack of imagination about what a better world could be. And so as we as a culture have brought injustice on those who have disabilities, we have deadened our imagination to what is possible Mm. one of just how to love and serve and include but also how to listen and Mm -hmm. how to come under oh yeah there's so much much potential that's possible that's there i i love that It, it makes me think of a piece that i just read from um leah lakshmi i want to say her last name right piepsna samarasinha who's a disability justice and transformative justice, like activist, organizer, thinker, brilliant person, um, uh, just released this article. Um, The title, she's not happy with the title that Truthout gave it, able-bodied leftists cannot abandon disabled solidarity to to move on from from COVID. What what a title. I know. I think it's for everybody, whether you identify as a leftist or not a leftist or, or whatever, if you were a person, um, that we, we can't abandon our, our, uh, our solidarity with disabled people. And one of the things she talks about is how in the, reminding us that in the beginning of the pandemic, there was this like flourishing of like, oh my goodness, look at all the ways we can actually connect with one another. Um, to protect one another and keep one another safe. Like we're going to do all our meetings on Zoom now and we're going to all practice these protocols and, you know, all of these different things that slowly have been peeled away. Like there was a moment where we were imagining um, and particularly led by 
disability justice activists and organizers who have been asking for a lot of these things for a long time to make events and such more accessible um, for them. Um, like it was there. Mm. And then the powers that be, capitalism, if you will, and you know, the need to make a profit, um, you know, all of that began to peel back that imagination to like, we have to go back to normal. Well, that is about as unimaginative as you can get, right? Mm. So I will make sure that link uh, is in the transcript um, when, we, when it goes out, because that, that was a, a helpful article for me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I had thought some about that ending word or almost ending word in the passage. So it you know, ends in verse 19, your faith has made you well. Mm-hmm. And, and and sat with that for a bit of, well, wait, he already, he already was healed. It made Jesus makes it sound like like something additional is is happening there in in that moment. And and I wonder kind of where the things exactly he was being healed of, kind of where wh- where those orders occur, because the Greek word that's there is the Greek word for saved. And mm-hmm. that can also be used in a spiritual context, right? So it seems like there's this healing happening on a couple levels of one, there are these individuals who are healed from what was upsetting and debilitating within their bodies. And that also had the additional healing of bringing them into the socio-political or socioeconomic context well, right? Because now they're able to enter into, into work in a different way and back into the temple in a different way. But it seems like here at this conversation with Jesus, it's either like a reminder of what he's done with the other nine or it's something new, but there's this spiritual sense of being saved from this ultimate thing. And again, we were saying earlier about Jesus moving towards Jerusalem and towards the cross and this defeat of Satan, sin and death. And Jesus seems to be talking about like being well with a capital W here, like mm. this is a really holistic sense of healing that happens here. You know, you're talking about the, those individuals getting what it was that they needed. And mm-hmm. it seems like there is just that assurance that Jesus gives that that's his final word here and I love mm-hmm. that the man comes back and he's able to hear that directly because he already yeah. knew like my body has is, is being changed something is different but oh and there's more mm-hmm. there's more yeah. that is even more holistic than I thought yeah and wellness here or salvation I mean there's prom- problematic ways that that gets used too mm-hmm. right and for me, and I think that, that you're getting at this too, that, that that is, again, that kind of like, like honoring of, of what is. And what is it that I'm trying to say? Um, and the, the more that we talk together about it, I think like that wellness is, a, is less about like his um, or salvation is less about this one man's like, um, like body, as you're saying, and, and more of a, some kind of a restoration, maybe as the foreigner. Mm. And this kind of enmity or or antagonism between Samaritans and and Judeans, maybe that is also part of what's getting healed here part of what's 
being tended to is the wellness that is a community that cares for each and every member, regardless of where you come from, regardless of if you can pay or not pay, regardless of if you speak the language or don't speak the language, regardless of if you're, you have the papers to be here or not have the papers to be here, regardless, there is no regardless. Like you just, you just get to be part of this community and we'll take care of you. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and so when you said that about that, like combining those ideas of like imagination and wellness, like what would a, like a, a, a well society look like? Oh, I love that question. And I think you named some of those things. I mean, I, I think the theme maybe above all those that you named is you belong, mm-hmm. right? You, you have a place. I was talking with Mark Charles, um, a thinker, theologian, and he ran for president a while ago. And he <laughs> talks a lot about indigenous matters and issues and people. And he uses the language of, and I love this. He said, uh, white people need to be adopted because you talk to a lot of other groups of individuals and you know, lots of ways of breaking down individuals and groups of people. And But if mm-hmm. we're talking about race, a lot of racial groups have a story, even if it was interrupted, even if it is, even if it is a story of, of, of great oppression, there's a story that's there and a thread and a history and somewhat of a knowledge of that. But with white people, white people, he said, that's not really so. And he was theorizing that maybe a lot of the angst and at the other extreme of that, uh, the violence that's there is this response of, you know, he was saying maybe white people don't really belong. They need to be adopted. They need an origin story. They need mm. to feel that they have a place. And that demanding of, oh, you know, things are being taken away from white people and we've got to take it back. Underneath that is a desire to belong, is mm. a desire for wellness. It's a desire for a community. Mm. And so again, maybe part of that community is not totally erasing some of those lines that are there, but yet erasing some of the significance of those things. I mean, I think about Paul talking about there is no Jew, no Jew or Greek and male or female. And it's not erasing those distinctions, but it's erasing the, how those things function as well. The the meaning that we've made out of the distinctions, right. Mm. Which, which is also Audre Lorde, you know, that's, that's not the differences that, that are the problem. Like the differences are a gift. It's what we, what we've, the meaning that we've made out of them, I'm paraphrasing. She's yeah. says it much more yeah. brilliantly. Absolutely. Right. Like if we're saying with the race, like I, we don't want to be colorblind. We want to remove the oppressive hierarchy that has come mm-hmm. with race. But I want to yeah. see someone's race. I want them to see mine as part of my identity. It's part of someone's identity. But I want to remove that oppressive piece from it, mm-hmm. but not negate that difference entirely. And Jesus does, and he still calls them a foreigner, right? There's yeah. still a difference that's there, but yet there's still this union and unity and there's this community that they have despite mm-hmm. some of these factors that were that were placed on them from outside those those the harmful pieces of those divisions have been erased yeah yeah so that's wellness or part of what it is just part when of, you said that i wellness. think about yeah. alone. i love that that you asked that question of what is is true wellness and your your friend's comment about like white people not having an origin story this would probably be like the content for 12 podcasts at a different time, but 
you know, on my sabbatical this summer, one of the reasons I wanted to go back to Ireland and to Scotland and to England and to experience the, the land and the, like the spiritual ancestry of where my people come from mm. was because we lost that story. We got disconnected from that, that origin story. There mm. isn't just one origin story for white people. Mm-hmm. There are multiple and often they are traumatic. Right. Um, and what's happened in, in whiteness is all of that got erased into a story about a kind of victory story of whiteness. We just came here for religious freedom and to establish the greatest country on earth and, and what have you. However, we kind of define this, this origin story. And, mm-hmm. and we actually lost what is for me seems like really good rootedness in what would help us to make common cause um, with other oppressed groups in this country around race, around class, around gender, around what have you, you know, um, Mm -hmm. there are stories that are, that are definitely like stories of colonization. They are stories of, you know, um, of 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 conquering um and genocide and and also their stories of like our own people getting ripped off their land mm-hmm. and slaughtered mm-hmm. and uh and told you you will go colonize this colony um in south carolina in my family's case in australia and new zealand or 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 you know the um the Ulster plantation in Northern Ireland, you, you will do that, says the English crown, or, or we're going to kill you and your family. Mm-hmm. And that's not the story that we're told. <laughs> right. Right. Um, and so, yeah. Um, so th- to bring it back to this text, I think going back to the question around like trauma and what kind of, like historic trauma, like Samaria exists because the Assyrians conquered north the, the northern country of Israel, right? Like mm-hmm, it's mm-hmm. a people who have who have also lived through immense amounts of trauma, just like the Judeans, Jesus' people. Um, the Samaritans got got wiped out uh, by by an empire. And here we all are again, you know, in the time of Jesus, being wiped out by yet another empire. And, and so I, I'm just come back again to like, from a disability justice place, what are they trying to tell us about even that, like that historic trauma of being the foreigner when actually we could be making common cause together. Mm-hmm. And maybe that is also a vision of what, you know, a, a well community, what wellness looks like for society. Yeah, it's one in solidarity. Yeah. In the recognition of maybe a common moment, but yet different origins of how individuals got there. Or or I love the phrase of of unity, not uniformity. Mm-hmm. Right. There is 
there is a togetherness that is there without erasing those differences and that that's that that's necessary and the empire doesn't want that right right you know, go to so many examples i live in charlottesville virginia so we can go to virginia law where you get poor white people who are given privileges over people who are poor and are black so that we have mm. separation so that there's this felt betterness that's there of white people over black people there's examples of it all over but yeah. yet that solidarity. I mean, that's 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 the thing that empire wants to break because that's the thing that threatens. And and then look what Jesus brings. He yeah. brings he brings that wellness. He brings that unity. He builds these coalitions with so many unexpected people. Yeah. Throughout his ministry, mm -hmm. over and over again, I think about Pope Francis's phrase of wanting to build. And he's talking about the Catholic Church, but church anywhere, a culture of encounter. And I love that some of what you see with Jesus is you know, he's on his way somewhere and something happens. Other times you see him seeking out individuals to engage in love and heal yeah. and cure, but it's both, right? And we, as, as a people, part of what I hear this passage calling us towards is an awareness and, an, a, will, and a willingness to engage and encounter, to mm -hmm. see what's happening as we live our life on our way to Jerusalem mm -hmm. or us seeking out those individuals. And if it's disability justice we're talking about, that those individuals have to be sought out because because they've been so marginalized that mm -hmm. that extra step and effort must be taken to pursue and love and engage and include and bring them to that table of power. Yeah. Yeah. As as the disability justice movement gave us that phrase, you know, nothing about us without us. Mm -hmm. Um and so even like wanting to hear from, from disabled folks, uh, like is a table even what we need? <laughs> like, what would you want to build here? You know, or, or even we, you know, I think part yeah. of what happens is that um, able-bodied folks, which I don't really consider myself, um, think that we're always and forever going to be able-bodied. And in mm. fact, um, you know, most people are at risk of, of some mm -hmm. kind of disability, chronic illness, um, and some right. things are more accepted than others. Like we don't think this might, had a, a professor in seminary, Dr. Debbie Creamer, and she is a disability justice theologian. So brilliant. And I remember like the first time she, she brought this to us in class, she was like, how many of you wear glasses? Like how many people wear glasses? We're like, uh, like, obviously I'm wearing them right now in our conversation. She's like, do you consider that a disability? You need like intervention to be able to see clearly. Is that not some form of disability? Mm -hmm. like, oh, oh yeah. That's it an acceptable it. disability. Right. And so right. Right. we've made that kind of acceptable and except in the way maybe like you have to pay separately for vision insurance which i really don't understand like well capitalism wants to make right. as much money off our bodies as it possibly can so i yeah. guess it makes sense in that aspect but um you know it it some of us are temporarily disabled for a time you know we break a leg or mm -hmm. you know uh have a surgery um, for some folks, it's, it's something that's not visible. Um, yeah. There's all, all sorts of origins. Yeah. One author I read said that she wanted every able-bodied person to think of themselves as temporarily non-disabled. 
Mm -hmm. language, right? Of all of this is, is a temporary state. Mm -hmm. And, and all of those are, are, are individual. So my, my wife, Rachel was in a car accident when she was 16 and she broke her neck at C5 and C6 and was paralyzed for a few months, was not Mm. supposed to walk and is able to now and has bore our children. And is, that's a wonderful and an amazing thing, but still has a visible disability in the way that she engage, engages the world. But the way that she'll talk about disability is hers came when she was 16. She experienced things in a life and a story without that disability and then experienced it after. And then conversations she has with people who have a disability from birth or, or a different kind, there's, there's unity that's there and there's mm-hmm. incredible nuance and difference of mm-hmm. all of those stories are key. So, right. Yeah. You know, even not that we are, but even just lumping all that together, there's so much nuance that is there, mm-hmm. but I love, love that people of faith are able to live in those tensions and nuances. Yeah. Like we should be experts at that or experts yeah. at least in, in of being willing to enter into it. Yeah. Or we should be anyway. Right. Right. Yeah. We, <laughs> we've got the, we've got the text. Right. To be able to wade into those moments, at least with the posture of listening and of love and of mm. grace. Right. You know, that mm-hmm. doesn't mean that we're going to have the answer to whatever it is, but we have like this individual Jesus and he's modeling how to enter into this space in that posture. Yeah. Yeah. And I think all of that nuance and tension and, and what have you is present in this, this story. Mm, just these few verses. In just, in just this brief uh, little story. Um, and, and all of it is held. Um all of it is held. I think that's, for me, that has been a real gift in my understanding of, uh, of scripture and particularly the gospel stories that they can mean multiple things at once Mm. and they can hold for us multiple things at once that, um, yeah, it's great. If, uh, somebody comes back and says, thank you, but we're not going to build our, um, healthcare system on whether or not somebody does, you know, like everybody gets access to what their bodies need. Um, and so all of that is like all of that nuance and tension, um, multiple layers of things all present in this one little story. Belonging shouldn't have the admission price of assimilation. That's Amy Kinney from her book, My Body is Not a Prayer Request. Belonging shouldn't have the admission price of assimilation. So for your call to action today, we invite you, Sam and I, to get your people together and imagine together from a disability justice framework what wellness and belonging look like in your home, in your workplace, your congregation, even in the world. Um, Read Leah's piece, I've linked it in the transcript, and together, read that together with your people and see how that informs your imagination. So 
Sam, just want to thank you for the conversation today. Thanks for being here. Mm -hmm. Thank you for showing up as you and, you know, um, on this podcast where I show up as me. I hope uh, our folks who are who are listening in can hear, you know, Sam and I don't always come right from the same place, but I know that we're both committed to the same kind of world um, where everyone has all they need to live and thrive and, and to be loved. And uh, so um, just grateful for you uh, and your presence here today. So thanks for joining us. Oh, thank you. Thank you for the space that you've built. Thank you for the posture that you've had toward this. Yeah, really, really grateful for this. Thanks as always for joining us from wherever you are on this good earth. We'd love to hear from you all, especially from folks of color and from non-Christian folks by filling out the listener survey on our podcast page at surge.org. And give us a like or rate us on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to our podcast. You can find out more about Surge at surge.org and our podcast lives on SoundCloud. Search on the word is resistance. Transcripts are available as well on our website, which include references, resources, and action links. And we'll be back next week with another conversation to wrap up our disability justice series with longtime The Word is Resistance contributor and fabulous human, Blythe Barno. And of course, a huge thanks to our sound editor, Claire Hitchens. So Sam, would you offer us a word of blessing as we close? Mm -hmm. I'm going to go Old Testament on us, which usually when people say that, I feel like it's something really intense, but this is, this is the great blessing from number six. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen. Yeah.